You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Hello and welcome into the first three-month preview of the 2023 K-State football season. We are fired up and ready to bring that to you today. I am John Kurtz. As always, I am joined by Cole Manbeck and Derek Young. And our show is brought to you by our great friends at Holiday Distillery, who I'm sure are ready for the season. If you are not, you are running out of time, uh, lest I remind you that you know games are coming up pretty soon. Here, people, run out, sprint, get your 360 vodka, get your Ben Holiday bottled in Bond bourbon, and make sure that you are stocked up and ready for your tailgate on Saturday. I know if you were me, you'd be waiting until the last minute, so uh, this is your reminder to go get that done now. But great K-State folks at Holiday Distillery who support our pod, so make sure that you are supporting them. Uh, also, just a couple of housekeeping items here. I do want to mention that we've been promoting this, but if you have not caught it yet, we are now on Patreon, so you can get extra bonus content, and we've been churning a bunch of it out this week. And this week is when everything really starts in earnest. But uh, Cole has spoken with Kelly Ford, who dives deep into the analytics um, computer system that seems to like K-State. I guess, Cole, you can speak to that. How much much does he like K-State? Likes K-State quite a bit. In fact, uh, the interesting thing from that is, you know, we put out those watchability rankings in terms of entertainment value and quality of games for this season. He tweeted that out Friday night, which he actually told me is one of his most liked tweets ever in his uh, history on Twitter, which explains the passion of K-State fans. And he had K-State as the most watchable, entertaining team in college football this year. And that's really just based off the quality of the games they're going to be involved in. So they're projected to be in a lot of close games. I I think he's got his model as K-State playing in four games that'll be decided by three points or less and seven games that'll be decided by seven points or less. And, uh, but he, but he likes K-State. They have the third best odds to get to the conference championship game based off his model. He's got K-State as a 51 or 52% favorite in 10 of their 12 games to win. Now that's looking at them each individually. That's not saying they'll win all 10. But uh, yeah, likes K-State as him as a top 20, top 21 team in his power rating. So just a lot of good stuff. Really respected, data-driven college football analyst that... Uh, uh, is similar to what Bill Connolly does, and uh, he was great and very gracious with his time. So check it out. It's uh, about 35-minute pod that we got up on the Patreon. All right, so that interview is up there. We've got a depth chart breakdown of the depth chart that came out this week, and we will be having a live chat Saturday after the game. So if you want to be a part of that, some instant reaction live chat, you need to go get signed up on our Patreon page right now, patreon.com slash 3maw, patreon.com slash 3maw. That is how you find it. Get signed up, five bucks a month, and you get access to all this bonus content. We've got a Brody video coming up later this week, too. Uh, So, it will be great. You can also, if you are so inclined, if you want to support the show, you can do so on Venmo. It's just three ma, but spell out the three. uh, Stupid Venmo thing. But spell out three in three ma, you can support the pod that way as well. So, plenty of ways to do that, and you can get a bunch of bonus content as well. All right, we're here. We're on the precipice of the season. K-State takes on SEMO just after 6 o'clock on Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, a year that starts with the highest expectations in basically two decades. I mean, since 2004, the K-State was picked second in the Big 12 preseason poll. Since 2004, the K-State has been ranked as high as they are in the preseason AP poll. 
Um, expectations abound, and and this is your first opportunity, DY, to go out and start proving people right. You know, which is an interesting thing. I know um, in an interview that we're going to hear later on with KT Leveson, uh, or that will be in your podcast feed here this week from KT Leveson, Cole chatted with him about the expectations and saying, "No, we're we're still we're still the hunters, not the hunted." But I, DY, it really seems like in a lot of ways they they have turned into much more the the hunted than the hunters this year. Yeah, they got a target on their back. I, I've mentioned this in you know numerous articles at K-State Online, and, and we've discussed it prior to this as well. Like, they're no longer are they sneaking up on anyone, at least not this year. Maybe, you know, in future years that they can probably resume that role, but that's just not going to happen. In a lot of cases, they're going to be the team or one of the two teams on everyone's schedule that they circle. Um, you know, people are going to circle TCU because they went to the playoff. People are going to circle Kansas State because they won the Big 12 championship, and they're still going to circle Texas and Oklahoma for all the reasons that we already know. So those four teams are just are the ones that are going to have a they're going to have a very challenging time of sneaking up on people. Perhaps Texas Tech too, since they're kind of becoming a little bit of a, a media darling. I will say though, I think that they're going to handle it very well. Not really caught up in the struggle or challenge or of doing so in crumbling underneath it. Like like Et Levison said, we are the hunters, and kind of an example of that. And you've heard it from, I think, offensive line coach Connor Riley, kind of. You know, mentioning how Colin Klein, the offensive coordinator for Kansas State, so determined to put up a 50 uh, points per game as an offense, you know, or 50 in some game, you know, whatever it may be. And we heard that again on Tuesday when Will Howard met with the media as well, that that's kind of like almost just like a target number they're trying to hit. So I like the idea of that. Maybe I don't think it's because some people are going to take it a little bit of maybe an arrogant thing that, hey, we can score 50 points per game. But for me, it's just like, they still put something out there that they can continue to chase. Yeah, I mean, they're unquestionably going to have a target on their back as they they head into different locations this year, especially on the road. And, I mean, you just have to look at what Missouri fans are saying about the game against the Wildcats. I mean, I saw a Twitter account, their Sidelines Mizzou account, the other day saying the team they want to beat the most of any team on their schedule at Missouri is K-State this year. And Gabe DeArmond has said on the KCSN Mizzou podcast that, you know, the kind of the feeling from Missouri fans is that's, that's the most important game to Eli Drinkowitz and his entire coaching career in Columbia to date. And so they're putting a lot of emphasis on it. You know, KU really wants to end the the losing streak to K-State as they take that next step as a football program. And you know other schools in this league that want to get to the top and win the Big 12, know the defending Big 12 champs are, are coming in either to their house or they're coming into Manhattan and, and K-State's going to target on their back. But I think there's a enough maturity on this team enough veteran guys and their their eyes are set on the prize and they're not going to overlook anybody uh they're going to be focused and week in and week out will howard has said before they want to be the first team in school history to win back-to-back conference championships big 12 championships and I, i'm not worried about them overlooking anybody and yeah teams are going to be fired up to play them but teams would have been fired up to play them last year you know they were a, a top 15 team for most of the season last year in case they didn't sneak up on anybody really in the back half of the season and, and they still went out and dominated. So not worried about it. I, I think there's a ton of reason to be excited to watch this football team. And I cannot wait to see what we, uh, we see on Saturday against SEMO. It would have been pretty easy. Like you mentioned, and I forgot they, they did kind of a target on their back at the back end of last year. I mean, they were a team that was still threatening for a big 12 title and they just pounded Oklahoma state and Baylor, for example. Yeah, and I'm not the first to make this point, but 
Chris Kleiman knows a thing or two about dealing with lofty expectations. He knows a thing or two about defending a championship because that's what he was doing every single year at uh, at Notre, or North Dakota State, essentially. So uh, I think that will will help play into things as well. We know about the culture, man. I mean, they've, they've got culture in spades. Um, you know, a five-star culture, you might say, a legitimate five-star culture uh, going on here in Manhattan right now. This this may be, and I, this probably isn't fair because I know SEMO was a really good FCS team. I, I was listening to Chris Kleiman yesterday. Love them quite a bit and that they have some FCS All-American type talent and players on this team. But if there were one game on the schedule where you might be able to actually get away with sleepwalking a little bit, I mean, this, this would seem to be it. Everything else the rest of the way is probably going to be pretty tight. I mean, back to what Cole was saying about uh, Kelly Ford on the the Patreon podcast. Um, it, it's going to be a season filled with a lot of close games. This may be one of the few opportunities that I'm not saying opportunity to sleepwalk, but an opportunity to get up big, get some guys in. We're talking like Avery. We'll talk some more about him. Avery Johnson later on in the podcast. Like those are the sorts of things that could be out there in, in this game on Saturday that may not be available to you a ton the rest of the season because Troy coming up next, they won double digit games last year. Obviously we know about Mizzou and then you're into what I think is actually a, a pretty difficult Big 12 schedule. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. The only thing I would differ is I, I the ones that I think that they could still separate themselves, and obviously this is just talking about the season as a whole and not necessarily just this week for CMO, is in addition to CMO, I feel the same way about Houston and Iowa State on the schedule. I think those are two games where you can kind of get up big if you have your A game, so to speak, it, and I differ with a lot of people. I, I still think Kansas State has a chance to really pull away from Troy as well. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a real opportunity against SEMO to build some depth and get some of the young guys some playing time. You know, you think about a guy like Damian Leo and Javon Banks at the nose tackle position. So they've gotten the majority of the reps the last couple of weeks with Uso being banged up. And, you know, get those guys some additional playing time and build quality depth at nose tackle and build quality depth at various positions. We know the secondary you know, you're breaking in a lot of new guys. Some of these guys have played meaningful snaps, but, you know, zero returning starts at the cornerback position. You know, can you see R.J. Garcia take that step after all the buzz of the wide receiver position? So a lot of things that I am anxious to see, and this is an opportunity that, yes, you should win this game going away. I know that SEMO is the number 11 FCS team in the country. They returned five FCS All-Americans, which is the second most nationally. So they're not a scrub by any means and the FCS. They won the Ohio Valley last year. They won nine games. All right, They were in the FCS playoffs. But also keep in mind, they played Iowa State in the season opener last year. They lost 42-10. to 10. All right, Hunter Deckers went 25-31 of 31 for 293 yards, four touchdowns against them. Jarrell Brock ran for over 100 yards against them, and this they were one of the worst rushing teams in the country. So K-State should win this game handily. Kelly Ford has K-State as a 36-point favorite. So to your point, John, it's just a real opportunity to build some depth and get some guys some playing experience here early on because you're right. You jump right into, into the mix in the game two against Troy. You can't sleep on anybody the rest of the way. From a profile ranking caliber standpoint, they compare similarly to when Kansas State played Nichols, and I believe that was in Chris Kleiman's first year. That was his first game. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah they, they went out and waxed them, played a bunch of different guys. I remember how fun it was just to watch them doing kind of the line change thing, getting a lot of bodies out there. And that Chris Lyman talked a lot about that this week. They want to get bodies out there. They want to find out about some guys, even if it's just playing them on, on special teams. But look, unfortunately, one of the headlines heading into this game, headline number two for us here is going to be about the injuries. Although it, it seems like things are moving in the right direction 
on some of those fronts. Uh, Chris Kleiman said, look, Christian Duffy is the one guy that's not going to play. I think, you know, we would hope perhaps Missouri conference play maybe for Christian Duffy. Uh, Uso Sayamalo was not on the initial depth chart, which made you think like, hey, he's probably not going to be able to go, right? He and Christian Duffy were both totally off of it. But at Kleiman's press conference, he made it seem like that might actually happen, that he was going to be practicing yesterday, uh, which would be Tuesday, depending on when you're, you're listening to this. So maybe a chance that he's able to go. Daniel Green perhaps could go. Uh, and I know there have been issues with like Keegan Johnson, minor issue, but I think he will be able to go. Seth Porter at least seems like there's optimism moving in that direction. DY, I guess, where would you place the the injury statuses with all these guys? How much concern do you have? Yeah, I think you took care of a lot of it with the, with the report there, but I would say that you know Seth Porter is someone that is at least going to play special teams this week, it sounds like, which is probably pretty important. He's the leader of that group. He's a captain for a reason. Um, so you know, quietly, I think he's actually going to be a pretty important player this year. So you don't want that to really extend into the season because he's kind of one of those, I guess you'd call it unsung heroes, in my opinion, that's going to have a lot of value. You could argue because of that punt that he downed in uh, the Big 12 title game, he played a pretty big part in Kansas State holding off TCU for a Big 12 championship. So he's pretty important in my mind. Um, He'll probably play special teams, not necessarily ready to play wide receiver yet. Christian Duffy is the only one that they were comfortable ruling out at this point for this week. So, as you said, I think there's a chance we see you, so say Amalo. I wouldn't say it's a certainty, though, but, you know, heading in the right direction is probably the best way to classify it just because it sounds like he is going to return to practice this week or already has. Daniel Green has been practicing for a few days. It wouldn't shock me if we see some limited snaps from him on Saturday as well. Uh, I think these guys, if it was the middle of the Big 12 season, um, probably playing this week, but it's game one. Um, this is a marathon, not a sprint. I think they're going to use them into it. Best case scenarios all around in my mind. I mean, we knew Christian Duffy was going to be out for a few weeks, uh, months ago that you told us that DY. So that's not any breaking news. Should I be back by big 12 play at the very minimum and Uso returning to practice on Tuesday is a huge deal. Makes you feel good about it. I probably, I would probably hold him out for SEMO and just have him ready to go by Troy. Uh, but that's up to the, the coaching staff. Trust them. And Daniel Green being listed on the depth chart as a starter, as we talked about on the Patreon pod, that that likely means he is going to play. We know he returned to practice as well a few days ago. Uh, it seemed that they they left guys off the depth chart like Duffy and Sayamalo, who they thought were not going to play in game one. Now they they might be an opportunity that Sayamalo plays. Chris Kleiman said he was surprised that he was going to be able to practice yesterday. So uh, optimism abound around on the injury front. And I thought one of the most important things, knock on wood, that Chris Kleiman said is there have been no long-term injuries to date. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you. I would prefer just to leave Uso on the sidelines for this one, not only to give him some extra rest, but just give the other guys extra reps. Um, I, th- I think that could be paramount to, to what you're trying to do the rest of the year because that is, that is an area that makes you nervous. Uh, n- not a ton of proven depth, at least there behind Uso at defensive tackle. Um, last storyline here, and this was talked about again with the depth chart too, but you know, how many true freshmen are we going to actually see out there? How many totally new faces will we get to see? Uh, I think everybody wants to know about Avery Johnson. He was listed as an or as a backup quarterback with Jake Rubley, which I think maybe surprised some based on the way they had talked about Rubley. I, I was expecting to just see Rubley standalone as the number two. Climb uh, instead. It came down to it. They're not sure who would be the guy that would go if, God forbid, something were to happen to uh, to Will Howard. 
But even beyond that, I mean, you have five other true freshmen listed on the depth chart. Jack Fabris, Joe Jackson, Austin Romaine, Jace Brown, Asa Newsom, uh, and Simon McLannan, uh, specialist. Lots of ace to love at the presser. I mean, I, D.Y., how many are, are you expecting to see and and how many of these guys will be legitimate contributors beyond just maybe the, the four-game redshirt rule this year? I think 10's probably a good number for how many we can see this year. I mean, that was kind of the roundabout number that head coach Chris Kleiman mentioned, what is a week and a half, 10, 14 days ago. So I think it's probably safe to put that number there just because they're not really worried about it. The only caveat that I would share is that it is probably dependent upon taking care of business the way that they anticipate doing so against SEMO, um, you know, essentially pulling away as much as they should so that they do have a little bit of breathing room there to experiment with some guys. Because I don't, I think that their plan this year is to play as many as they can, and whether that's on special teams, offense, or defense, um, they're going to wing it. And I think they'll wing it on Saturday as long as they have a big enough lead, especially in special teams. But some of the guys that I expect to be contributors throughout the year and not just like a game here and a game there, I mean, Asa Newsom, um, the way that they're just so flattered by him, I think he has to be at the top of the list. And to be honest, I think he is the primary reserve at Will Linebacker um, behind Austin Moore. Maybe they would still go with Jay Clifton just because he can play all three positions, but it, it sounds like they're gaining more and more comfort with Asa Newsom kind of being on the two line and getting significant reps week in and week out. I mean, Austin Moore's really taking him under his wing just because of that. He knows that to be for Kansas State to be what they want them to be, that Asa Newsom's going to be an important player this year. Those were the words. So I think he's going to play a significant role. Does Jack Fabers play a significant role? I mean, we've heard some really good things about him. Quietly, he was mentioned quite a bit throughout training camp and throughout the summer. I think we've some of us scoffed a bit of that because he wasn't revered as a recruit, so to speak. And, you know, it was always thought that the, maybe he had a little bit of more of a climb to make, but maybe he gets, you know, significant reps. Just thinking out loud when it comes to Jack Fabers, it's important to know that maybe his ceiling is capped a little bit in comparison to the other prospects that Kansas State signed a year ago, but he probably did have the built-in advantage of being a coach's son, having the intellect and kind of speeding up his development, so to speak, so he can get up to speed quicker than others. So maybe him playing earlier it isn't a surprise. We'll see how tracks, how he compares to the rest of that group as they get older. Um, I still think Joe Jackson can have a significant role, too, and running back, but that'll depend. If, if they really think that they can count on Anthony Freeze, then maybe that gets tempered a little bit. Two, now one receiver, one freshman receiver was on, the depth chart in Jace Brown, but I think another one that they really like and has been getting some time with the ones is also Trace Spivey. So depending on how they want to rotate and use that position, I think those two can both play this year at times. And Genie o- Obias, or I, I hope I'm saying that even the last name right there, but I think I've got, got you covered, man. I was just pulling it up because I was going to ask about him. So yeah. Genie Obiizer. 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 I think he's going to be I, I think it's going to be similar. I'm not saying he is Felix and DK Azama, so I'm putting that out front. But I think he could have a similar first year where he's playing north of four games. You know, out of the new, I'll, I'll take it in a step farther and not just talk freshmen, but talk about new guys overall that just came into the program this year. Some guys I'm really excited to see, obviously, Will Lee. Can he be that Julius Brintz type guy? Now, that's, a, that's putting a high ceiling second round pick for the Colts this last year, but 
How does he look out there? By all accounts, the fact that he arrived in March and is the starting corner without an oar on that depth chart is super encouraging. They continue to rave about him, and the buzz continues to grow. Very talented, only a sophomore, only played one year on the field at the junior college level and maybe was the best Juco corner in the country. Excited to see what he can do. Can he be that lockdown big physical corner? Marquis Siegel at the safety position, ton of hype, transfer from North Dakota State. How does he look on Saturday against SEMO and going forward this season? And then from a freshman perspective, guys, you know, Asa Newsom, I'm going to keep hammering this point. My favorite freshman in the class that came in in the 2023 class outside of Avery Johnson, the maturity process of how he went about his recruitment, everything about him as a player on the field, it, it just screams that this dude's going to be a stud. The fact that he arrived in June, didn't even get here for spring ball, and he's already second string on the depth chart and getting the hype that he is speaks volumes to how good of a player he is going to be. You mentioned Sheedy as well. You know, we'll see if we see him on the field. I would expect so. There's been a ton of hype about him, Joe Jackson, et cetera. Uh, and obviously looking forward to seeing some of the freshman receivers like a Jace Brown and a Trey Spivey and seeing what's in the cover at that wide receiver position. I didn't even mention Trey Sean Ward, who's another new guy that uh, extremely excited to see as well. And then I think the, one of the most interesting storylines, guys, is the quarterback position. I mean, if does Avery Johnson step on the field ahead of Jake Rubley if they're up by 28, 31 points late in the third or early in the fourth quarter on Saturday? What, what do they do there? Are they going to try to preserve the red shirt? Are they going to try to get him reps? I'm very curious how they handle this. I, I spoke long about it, um, but I wanted to touch on the quarterback situation too. And, and John alluded to it, and I think this point needs to be stressed. It would have been so easy for Kansas State coaches to take the out that they had just because everyone knew that Jake Rubley was – probably the number two quarterback, right? Like Collins Line had already mentioned, I think, a week or two earlier when he spoke to the media. It would have been so easy for them not to include Avery Johnson on the depth chart and not have anyone freak out. Um, but they were eager and certainly willing to include him for a reason. Yeah, you know, I mean, you could get real cynical on that and say, are they are they doing that because he's a big man on campus with NIL deals already and trying to keep uh, somebody happy and, you know, but I... I I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for sure and see see how things play out as far as that goes. Uh, look, we've got a lot more to cover. We uh, Don't blame me for just sort of brushing off SEMO. Okay, Cole, I'm sure, has extensive SEMO research, so we will get you some of that. But uh, speaking of Cole, the only thing that can keep him from wearing his uh, home field gear on the podcast today is the fact that he is wearing uh, the new 3Mod gear. So uh, Cole is, has got his pullover there, but if it weren't for that, I'm sure he would be in his, his cozy amazing home field gear tons of retro stuff that they've got uh to fit any kind of k-state clothing urge that you have they've got all the old school logos i love the new cats script basketball logos that are on the latest line that they have released they put out a couple new drops of k-state stuff here within the last couple of months so get on over to homefieldapparel.com make sure that you get stocked up again on your k-state gear much like your 360 vodka and ben holiday bottled and bought bourbon you are running out of time for Saturday, so rush to homefieldapparel.com to do that. And you can use the uh, promo code 3 ma 23 to get 15% off your first order. So homefieldapparel.com, uh, great, great K-State gear, and 100-plus other teams across the country, too. All right, we will talk about SEMO when we come back. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. 
This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action, so here's what you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You must be 21 years or older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus bets expire seven days after assurance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. All right, so SEMO time, and I will throw out a mention here too. KT Leviston did an interview with Cole that you will be able to uh, to see. In fact, Cole, maybe I can let you just tease that a little bit here before we get into SEMO, but KT Leviston, our first player interview of the year. Uh, what do people have to look forward to there? Just a super likable, very personable uh, guy. The interview went over 20 minutes. We were planning to do maybe 10 to 15 and to be transparent and candid with all of you listeners. We were planning to package that with the pregame show, but because we went over 20 minutes, we thought we'd just separate it out and make it its own individual pod. So we dropped that uh, earlier this week. So go check it out um, on our platforms. Give it a listen. The plan will be going forward is to have a player spotlight segment each week in our pregame show. Now, again, if some of these go really long, we might just separate it out, but that's planned. It's kind of a differentiator for us. We're really excited about it. And Riverbank Brewing and Council Grove, Kansas has partnered with Wildcat NIL uh, to provide us this opportunity to bring you more K-State content. So every week we're going to have a different guest on from the football team talking K-State football. So we're really grateful to Riverbank Brewing and Council Grove Craft Beer in the Flint Hills. It's an awesome place. Council Grove's an awesome place too. Great folks over there. So get on out there and support them. They're helping us bring you more K-State content. And and KT was just phenomenal uh, starting left tackle, obviously been in the program now entering year six. And uh, uh, it's it's, it's a fun interview, guys. I mean, he he said he's also a mix of uh, Kevin Durant and LeBron James on the basketball court. So uh, there's some athleticism abound with that guy. And he's probably an NFL draft pick, too. Doesn't seem like he lacks for uh, for confidence. Uh, Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, let's, let's get into SEMO then, Cole. I mean, this is your, your time to shine. I, uh, as usual, I'm disrespecting the opponent. I don't, I don't know a whole heck of a lot other than what I read from uh, DY's press conference recap and what some of the players were saying that there is, there's what a safety on defense. It's like an all American sort of dude that Will Howard is concerned with. Uh, what, what do we have to worry about with the, uh, the Red Hawks? Well, all right. So I talked about they have five All-Americans on the FCS team, second most nationally. They returned nine players who earned all Ohio Valley Conference honors last year, including six on the first team, Ohio Valley. They were the co-champs of the OVC in 2022. They went nine and three. They lost in the uh, the opening round of the FCS playoffs. Number 11 team in the FCS top 25. They're the preseason pick again this year to win the Ohio Valley. You know, offensively, they're pretty good. Uh, you know, they return six starters on offense, but they were, they really return a lot of their key guys. So it's an offense last year that finished 16th in scoring in the FCS at nearly 36 points per game. Uh, they finished 13th in rushing offense at 226 yards per game on the ground. 
Uh, that's where they're really going to test this K-State defense, guys. So they averaged 6.1 yards per rush last year. That ranked number two in the entire FCS. And they're, they have a running back, a five foot eight running back who's entering year six in the program, has over 4,100 career rushing yards, averaged 5.9 yards per carry during his entire time at SEMO, 53 career touchdowns. This is Geno Hess I'm talking about. Almost 1,700 yards last year on the ground on 236 carries, an average of 7.2 yards per rush, and he rushed for 21 touchdowns last year. He was the 2022 Ohio Valley Offensive Player of the Year. He's a two-time FCS All-American and a three-team, three-time first-team All-OVC selection. He holds the SEMO record for career rushing yards and career TDs and finished fifth in voting for the Walter Payton Award last year, also second overall in the FCS and rushing yards last year. So really good running game. They have the Remington Award winner at center. We're back, Zach Geig, who is uh, returning. He won for the best center in the FCS. He returned, so... Good player there, and they're starting quarterbacks back. Six foot fives, uh, Paxton De Laurent returns at quarterback. He threw for nearly 2,700 yards last year, 19 touchdowns, just six interceptions. Uh, and he's got a couple weapons to throw to, including second team, all the OVC returning player, Ryan Flournoy, who uh, had 984 yards on 61 receptions last year. And then Demoria Vick, who's a six foot three receiver, 43 catches last year as well. So, some talented offensive players. Uh, you guys, uh, you guys have any thoughts on that that SEMO offense going up against this K State defense? If they keep him under twenty, then I'll be probably satisfied. I I do expect growing pains from the defense this year, and they do have a returning starting quarterback, which is typically a team that can kind of come in and and roll on offensively. Doesn't really go through the team problems that maybe a team otherwise would have so i it's for me that's probably the, you know we're gonna have fun watching the offense this year but probably the most important thing is to see that defense come together as quickly as possible yeah i mean i guess i can go ahead and just get in front of it now i i, I will not be too panicked if if the defense is giving up 20 plus points here like it, it's definitely going to take a little bit of time and uh, I, my, my hope is just going to be get, get things ironed out and figured out before Missouri, you know, these first two weeks, get get a bunch of bodies in in the secondary, um, figure out what's going to work, what won't. I, I think it's it's very reasonable to expect that. I mean, look, I know Echo Boydo did just technically get waived by the Chiefs, but I think he may wind up on the practice squad there um, it, unless somebody else wants to go claim him. Obviously, you're missing Julius Brents, um, Felix Andy Uzama, just a lock on from the defense that, it all revolves around the passing game predominantly, right? Your pass rush and then on the back end, replacing a bunch of guys in the secondary. I just, I think that is going to take some time. And I would also have faith that if things don't go totally swimmingly here in week one, that they will get it figured out because what have we said over and over again? Like they have been the best seemingly at figuring out the secondary every single year. And especially like some of these new transfers in like a, like a Marquis Siegel and a Will Lee. Uh, they've got a, they've got a pristine track record the last couple of years of getting that figured out. So that is just my preemptive, like, don't don't freak out if if SEMO does put up some yards through the air and some points. Yeah, I would echo all that. I mean, I have a lot of trust in Chris Kleiman, who's a defensive mind, and Joe Klanderman as well. This is a team that's, uh, you know, been in the top 40 in the country in points for drive allowed each of the last two years defensively. So I have a lot of faith, and I think there's plenty of talent on the defense side of the football. It's just going to be a matter of getting some guys some experience. They're going to rotate a ton of guys, so they're not necessarily going to care about the scoreboard or the numbers. Um, early on in this game. They're going to get guys experience. 
And so, yeah, this is a talented CMO offense. I mean, they're going to test K-State because they return a lot of guys at very key positions. Talked about the center. Well, that's kind of the leader of your offensive line. He's the best, best center in the FCS conference. They return a quarterback who threw for 2,700 yards last year. They have an All-American running back who uh, is one of the all-time leading rushers in the entire FCS. And, you know, they return their top two wide receivers. So they know what they're doing, all right? But I still think K-State will win this game handily. Um, on the defensive side of the football, SEMA returns nine players who started six or more games last year. Nine of their top 11 tacklers are back. They allowed 23 points per game, ranking number 32 in the FCS last year. John, you mentioned Will Howard bringing up their safety. That would be Lawrence Johnson. He's an FCS All-American defensive back. They also have an All-American at linebacker in Bryce Norman at the FCS level. Norman had 119 tackles eight QB hurries and five pass breakups last year. Johnson tallied 86 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, nine pass breakups and four sacks. So really good player right there. Their their biggest strength when it comes to the defense is their rush defense. So it'll be interesting to watch K-State's offensive line and ground game with DJ Giddens and Treshawn Ward put in work. This is an, a SEMO defense that allowed 111 yards on the ground last year per game, which ranked 14th in the FCS and they allowed three and a half yards per Gary per carry, which ranked 17th in the FCS. So I think you can probably test them, though, with the, the passing game, guys. Uh, I don't like passing yards per game type numbers, but they were 104th in the FCS last year, giving up 255 passing yards per game. They were 53rd in pass efficiency defense. So I would look for Will Howard and Ben Sennett, Keegan Johnson, RJ Garcia, Phillip Brooks, et cetera, to have a big game uh, in the passing game really to roll. Well, really, we probably haven't talked about him enough on this episode in particular, but like maybe the top of my list, like things that I want to see in guys that I want to see is Keegan Johnson. I mean, I we've heard a lot about him, you know, we've heard probably more about him than any receiver post like Tyler Lockett going into a season. And uh, that that has me very excited. I mean, watching shout out to the K-State fan on on Twitter. I saw the highlight reel that he put out the other day of the Iowa highlights for Keegan Johnson from a couple of years ago. I mean, the dude. Dude looks like a stud, so uh, I am I am very much here for K State having like a. I don't intend this to be like a knock on Malik Knowles. I think he was a true number one receiver when he was on the field and healthy, but we know throughout his career that that was an issue a lot of times. But if he can be a guy that stays on the field and is like a true bona fide, legit, consistent number one receiver, I mean, how much does that really change this offense? Because how long has it been since they've really had that? You know, I mean, I guess Byron Pringle to an extent for a little while there by the end of his time, but. Even that, based on the offense case they was playing, it didn't always feel like that. Yeah, I mean, Curry's. We recorded the the first of a a fourteen week series with Curry Sexton on Three Mall earlier this week. Curry brought up Keegan Johnson, saying he could be the first true number one that K State's had at the wide receiver position since Tyler Lockett. He did bring up Byron Pringle as another, and obviously Malik Knowles had a nice year last year. But Keegan Johnson is that type of dude that stays healthy the whole year. Could be a thousand yard type receiver. He's explosive. He averaged 20 yards a catch his true freshman year at Iowa. And, John, you mentioned the highlights that were tweeted out. I think one of the things that impressed the heck out of me was his physicality after the catch. I mean, and his ability to break and shed tackles. It wasn't just him going up and get the football. He had a couple plays where he spun off tackles and he got a ton of yards after catch. So he might be the guy that I am most interested to watch in this game against SEMO. Him and then... You know, I look at an R.J. Garcia. I'm really interested to watch in Will Lee, obviously, at the secondary. He's pretty sturdy. 
Key Johnson's pretty sturdy. I mean, that's that's one way you could describe the, the his ability to uh, bounce off some tackles that we see in those highlights. So, looking forward to it. Uh, but you guys know I like to mix it up. Our, our quick hitters are coming up next. But uh, real quick, we'll take one break, get you back to some quick hitters and our predictions. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's good, everybody? It is Ben Heisler from Benny and the Bets here on KCSN. And if you are ready to go the distance and improve your golf game like I am in the process of doing, I want you to head on over to PXG right here in Kansas City and take the PXG Gen 6 Driver Challenge. They are confident in the Gen 6 that they're putting their money where their mouth is. If their Gen 6 driver does not deliver more distance, more carry and roll, higher dispersion compared to your current driver when you go in for a fitting, they got you covered with a $100 MasterCard reward card. That's it. Go in for a driver fitting. See if your driver is up to their driver. And if it is, you get a $100 
MasterCard reward card in the process. This is an unbelievable opportunity to upgrade your game with a custom fit PXG fitting. I've had it at the Kansas City store with Alex. It was one of the great experiences I've had in a golf fitting period. So take the PXG Gen 6 driver all throughout the month of August and get ready to hit those fairways with confidence. So visit your local Kansas City store or head on over to pxg.com for all the terms and conditions. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Not the first time that we have brought up Avery Johnson here on the podcast, but uh, my first quick hitter for you guys, uh, we'll, we'll start this D-wise way. What number will be higher in the game on Saturday? The number of Avery Johnson snaps or the number of, <clears throat> excuse me, the number of K-State touchdowns? Avery Johnson snaps or K-State touchdowns? You always, these are always pretty good. I will say the number of Avery Johnson snaps, because uh, I maybe he gets one to three during like live time, just to kind of throw him out there and, and test the water, so to speak, and maybe a drive, assuming that they've pulled away enough. So I could see it getting close to 10 snaps, because uh, I'd imagine both he and Jake Rubley get a possession during the game. Uh, here's the here's the dilemma, D.Y. What if Avery just gets in the game and busts two 75-yard runs for touchdowns and he boosts that touchdown number he only on the field for a couple snaps because he's so electric and dynamic, you know? Uh, are no, you, I, are you I, down? Do I have you marking him down for the Daniel Sams debut? Remember what Daniel <laughs> Sams did? Three of his first four touches went for touchdowns uh, when he played against – it was some crappy team and then against Miami in 2020. I'm not going to go there, and it, it might be in Avery's best interest to not do that as well. The fan expectations are going to go to another level if uh, Avery does that right off the bat. But, uh, shades, of, shades of the sorry, shades of the L. Roberson uh, spring game long TD run too. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I will take Avery Johnson snaps as well. I think KSA probably scores seven touchdowns in this game, and I think Avery probably reaches eight or more snaps. I think he plays maybe. Well, yeah, it's tough the more I think about it, but I'll, I'll say over on that. It, it is really tough. You 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 did a great job with this. One thing I will point out here is the the noise that will come from the stadium if when Avery Johnson hits the field for the first time. Jake Rupley better have some thick skin because it probably won't be the same when he gets trotted out on the field. Yeah, I mean, unless he goes out there and balls, you know. That's true. Let's go out there and ball. Maybe what we... At one point, Jake Rubley was that guy, right? He was the guy on, New, what was that? That was New Year's Day 2020, right? I believe when he committed. It uh, was right after the Liberty Bowl loss, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah, which I think I think it was New Year's Day yeah. 2020, a day after they lost the, uh, the Liberty Bowl in 2019. Yep. So he was at one point there. It, this is a tough one. It's a tough, I guess I'll, I was going to lean Avery Johnson snaps. So you guys seem a little bit more confident in that than I was, but I'll, I'll, I'll lean there. Um, Cole and I were discussing this the other day, but I'm kind of combining as uh, two scenarios that I saw laid out here. One from Stuart Mandel, and then I think the other was in the athletic, but somebody else, maybe like Max Olson. But if I gave you this scenario, okay, so like Stuart Mandel had K-State winning the Big 12, but at nine and three. So I'm going to give you the scenario where K-State is into the Big 12 championship game. I'm not going to tell you they've won the Big 12 title. I'll just say, I give you a chance. You can hit this button right now, and K-State is playing Texas in the Big 12 championship game, but with a 9-3 and three record and the two of the losses being to Kansas and Mizzou, are you hitting that button right now or are you just going to let it ride? D.Y.? I would let it ride just because Kansas State is good enough to make the Big 12 championship by just letting it 
ride as well without losses to Kansas and Missouri. So I'm not going to take the guarantee when I think they're good enough to do it without that guarantee. Yeah, I would be really curious what a lot of our listeners think because we know how much many of K-State fans value beating Kansas. And obviously also you don't want to leave that sour taste in your mouth losing to Missouri in the last time when you play them again and who knows how long. Uh, so I I say let it ride, but I'm really, I'm really tempted, John, to take the nine and three because like getting to the Big 12 championship and winning a conference championship to me is more important. It is uh, more important. It is more important, but they're they're good enough to do that this year. Like they don't need a lot of luck for that to happen. Um, they're they're just a talented enough squad where you got to feel good. We we all pick Kansas State to go to the Big Twelve Championship. We don't need the guarantee. Okay. Well, it, yeah, I mean, like John, I would say this: if you had told me in that contingency that K State would be the Big Twelve champs and beat Texas, all right, and they're ten and three, then I'm I'm taking that. Uh, the ramifications of a KU and Mizzou loss in the same season though was pretty interesting to consider. I mean, yeah, look, I'll push back on that. I mean, yes, it would suck, right? Like it would suck, but I feel like that might be just worse on Twitter than anything else. Like that's really what we're thinking about them, like actual real life here. Because I'm gonna call like if you're giving me like you win the Big Twelve championship, which in that scenario would mean that you beat Texas twice. I mean, think of what the national perception of the program would be. Like, nationally, people aren't going to care as much that you lost to Mizzou and Kansas. They'll be like, this, this they just won the Big 12 back-to-back years and beat Texas. I know I'm going outside of my scenario here by saying that they would win it. But yeah. from beat a- Texas twice, like, you're getting an automatic win at Texas in Austin the last time you're going to play there uh, with all the hype that they have this year. Uh, you're getting that in this scenario, the, the Mandela scenario. Really. Nationally speaking, you are absolutely correct. But Kansas State just landed the best player in Kansas in the 2023 class, trying to do the same in 2024 with Michael Boganowski, hopefully to do it again in 2025 with Jaden Woods. Uh, doing so with losses to Kansas Mizzou makes it a little bit, a lot tougher. Uh, it does. I, I would think if, and again, I keep changing your scenario, John, to if they won the Big 12 championship, if they were the Big 12 champs back-to-back years, to me that would probably overshadow the uh, the losses on the rate, I mean, it'd be the first time in school history, back to back Big Twelve champs for K State, and that would be a one heck of an accomplishment. And I think a lot of folks could, well, it'd be hard to move on from from losses to KU in Missouri the same year. But and your guarantee was not to win it, and so you're you're talking about getting there against the team that you haven't beat since 2016. No, you would have already beaten them. Well, so who's the third loss to, John? You got them at nine and three. I guess that's true. So maybe maybe the. Maybe the third loss was to Texas. I shouldn't say that it was automatically that you would have beat. Right, you could have potentially have seven straight losses to a team that you're trying to beat. Could have been Texas. Fair enough. You guys are poking holes in my my system here. I tried to make this as tough as possible. Honestly, another one that Cole and I discussed was like, if it were 10-2 and two and it was into the Big 12 championship game, one of the losses to Mizzou, one of the losses to Kansas, because then you think about that, like you, you probably just screwed up a, a legit shot at the college football playoff by losing in Lawrence. So that's <laughs> the heartbreak that that would be Texas A&M ask. So that would be a little bit of a yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, You know, I'm sure I'm sure our listeners are uh, really like, man, I'm glad I don't have to listen to John and Cole's scenarios talk on the phone. This is what these guys talk about, like all these weird hypotheticals. But uh, the 10 and 2 and having your playoff ruined by KU, that that is similar to 98, no? Yeah, that wouldn't feel good. No, that would that would that would definitely not feel 
pleasant uh, because yeah, if you're ten and one going into that game or whatever it is, and uh, nine and one to get to ten and one, uh, and you finish the regular season at eleven and one and win the conference championship at twelve and one, probably over a Texas, presumably, then you have a very good argument to be in the college football playoff. So yeah, that's a terrible scenario. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. Nicole, I should have hashed this back out a little bit more. I couldn't fully remember what it was that we were talking about the other day. That was probably the one that I should have brought up. That that was the better one. That's a gut punch, man. I don't know. what I mean, I still think like winning the conference championship would supersede anything here. Back to answer my original question. If I'm not getting a win of the Big 12 championship game, um, I, I, I suppose I will let it ride. Uh, better dig at Texas. Brett Yormark at the uh, Texas Tech pep rally saying that uh, Tech better take care of business at Austin or uh, Tim Weiser saying that Texas would rather lose to Alabama and Florida than K-State and Iowa State. I think Tim Weiser was probably a better dig. Look, I I understand why it became news, I guess, but Brett Yormark was just telling Texas Tech that he wants them to beat Texas. I mean, that I think everyone knew that. Just because he says it out loud doesn't mean it's a dig. For them to be offended by it, I think that's pretty soft. I can't wait to watch Texas have a questionable call in a game that they lose near the end and uh, watch the just absolute outcry. Uh, it'll be the best thing on social media that'll happen this college football season if that occurs. Because, yeah, Texas fans are certainly paranoid that the Big 12's out to get them, that they're going to get screwed. Oklahoma fans think the same way, which is kind of laughable because look at the schedule the Big 12 spit out for Oklahoma. It's by far the weakest in this league. It gives them the easiest path to get to the Big 12 championship. So that's that's laughable in itself. But, John, I would say that uh, Tim Weiser's, Weiser's dig uh, was better selfishly it was also on three mall so you know we uh we like that and that got a lot of attention go back and listen again yeah go back yeah yeah you boost those download numbers go back here tim weiser call oklahoma the reluctant bridesmaid uh so the reluctant bride bridesmaid reluctant, reluctant bride um yeah which for folks that don't know we thought we lost that audio recording uh at one point so after yeah, the interview. Yeah, maybe that's a patreon story for another day yeah well yeah uh, that was that was pretty scary. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to take your mark here just because of what the reaction has been. Because I think, I mean, there was plenty of reaction certainly to Tim Weiser too. But like, my God, I mean, <laughs> like just a fairly innocuous little joke in Texas, just losing their minds. I mean, what you have here is just a, a very spoiled child that is used to always getting its way, now not being pampered. Like, no, nobody at the Big Twelve has to pamper Texas at all anymore. That negotiation is over. Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. Uh, it's it's done and everybody in the big 12 is free to say what they want hell dana holgerson said screw them <laughs> just yesterday in a quote about texas no problem he said screw them they don't want us we don't want them uh so nobody has to like bow down to texas anymore because you know your your future is not on the line there and even after they had decided to leave you still had to worry about the negotiation and getting as much money and whatever as you could out of them now all that's out the door everything's done you can just treat them how you want on the way out the door and uh spoiled child not getting their way by the way not exactly going to get your way in the SEC once you enter that boardroom either. So uh, perhaps a sign of things to come for Texas fans. I'll take take Mr. Yormark there. Uh, finally, going a little bit more national here, uh, which unit will disappoint more this year, the Iowa offense or the USC defense, D.Y.? USC defense, just because we already have the sample size, they couldn't stop San Jose State in week one. So good luck against Washington and Oregon and even Oregon State. I think that even with DJ Uyangale, that they could be a threat in the Pac-12 as well. So I will take USC defense. Also, now we're talking about Kirk Ferentz here. We're talking about Brian Ferentz, but the Iowa offense, 
probably has an upgraded quarterback in Cade McNamara. I'm not sure if Lincoln Riley is ever going to figure this defense thing out. Uh, just the track, right? You, you know he should be getting plenty of talent on that side of the football, but just cannot seem to find a stride. I, I liked Alex Grinch as a defensive coordinator hire, and it just hasn't really worked out um, for him. Is, is Grinch still there? Did he get fired? I don't know. I mean, uh, Alex Grinch is still the dude. Yeah, I know. Well, that might be the problem, too. Uh, I liked him when he was hired, but it's not, it's not working out. I'm going to take... More confidence in the Iowa offense than uh, that USC defense just because I saw the week zero sample size that I might have had a little money on first quarter uh, line in that game, and uh, that defense did not do me any favors uh, for USC San Jose State, which, by the way, John I and DY, I heard a conversation on uh, the Solid Verbal College Football Podcast I love to listen to. I know you guys listen to it, too. Does uh, does Kirk Ferentz try to run up the score? in the non-con games on everybody and score 50, 60 points against weaker opponents to uh, boost that that 25-point-per-game mark uh, early on so that he's got some security. Like So when they're in a end game, they're scoring like 12, 14 points. He scored 60 in that non-con, so the average is up there. Yeah, so you're referencing Brian Ferentz's contract, who's the, the offensive coordinator and his son needing to hit 25 points per game this year uh, by any means necessary so the defense can help out with that too and they typically do uh, in Iowa I mean I guess I would just say like if they can if they can score 50 on anybody um, at Cade McNamara should help I didn't he get like a little banged up in a scrimmage is he is he totally healthy now it's, a, it's like a, a tissue thing like a muscle pull so we'll see what it I don't know I haven't heard that he's out so to speak I'm I just maybe the the system is the problem. I think we know that it is. But I just think Kate McNamara, if healthy, assuming that he can play the majority of their games, I think he is an upgrade for them at quarterback compared to what they've had, which, you know, they stuck with Spencer Petras for so long. I'm sorry, John. Did you say defensive touchdowns count for that 25-point-per-game average? Yeah, sure, sure. 25 points, special teams. Yeah. What a ridiculous joke that is. First of all, 25 is just a stupid number. I mean, who the hell puts that number in? But also counting the defense. Iowa puts up a lot of defensive scores. So I got the guy that's retiring put it in, I believe, and Gary Barda, the athletic director. Oh, messed up, yeah, messed up system they got there in that athletic department. Yeah, nice little sweet kiss on the way out the door. Lead pipe lock of the week. Uh, Derek, you are our defending champion here. You went seven and five last year, uh, finished a game ahead of me, two games ahead of Cole. So I will give you the floor if you'd like to say anything heading into year two of the lead pipe lock of the week. Uh, how would you like to celebrate your victory? I will celebrate by just using your words. You just told me that I was the best ever, so I am the best ever. And I will continue by just giving my lead pipe lock of the week and continue with the the helmet tradition, but I'm doing a total this week, right? <clears throat> they like a lot of teams. Actually, two of the teams I like, I just don't have the helmet. So transparency there. So I'll go with a total. Texas State and Baylor. <laughs> Under 60 and a half. Look, the Baylor offense is pretty weak. I think we all know that. Even if they are good, I don't think they're scoring 40, 50 points on anyone, right, with Blake Schaefer and a quarterback just because of the pace that Dave Arena likes to operate with on the offensive side of the ball as well. Their defense wasn't good last year, and they're playing kind of a quick operating offense of Texas State, but I think Dave Arena will probably have that side of the ball corrected. I really like the under 60-and-a-half Texas State perspective. Can I have you you put that helmet on like Lee Corso? Could I? Yeah, there we go. Thank you. (laughs) 
they're, uh, I mean, Baylor's going to run the ball a lot. We know that. So that'll chew up some clock, um, new clock rules in effect as well. DY, uh, DY, I hope our listeners, are your picks influenced by how many of the mini helmets you have? Yes, but I have a lot and I keep trying to purchase more. I just didn't have Nebraska or Toledo. I like Toledo plus nine a lot. People like that. Mm. Well, I have a pick yet. Well, first of all, I think, John, I started like three and one or four and one last year and by the final numbers finished five and seven. So looks like I finished on quite the the losing streak. In fact, I think I had some real doozies that got absolutely trounced. Not even yeah. close. There was, there was some where, I, if I remember correctly, you lost by like 40 points like three weeks in a row. Well, that, that probably is true, but let me give you folks a shocker, all right? You guys are going to roll your eyes, D.Y. and John, but I am taking a team that's going to be fighting for the life of their coach in game one. Under the lights in Happy Valley, Neil Brown and West Virginia are going to roll into Penn State, and they're only going to lose by 20. Cover it. The spread is 20 and a half. That wouldn't that is The spread is 20 and a half. I think West Virginia shows fight. They uh, they fight their way to a four and eight or five and seven season. And uh, Neil Brown still gets canned. But hey, we're going to be talking after week one that that West Virginia team's maybe a little bit better than we thought. So I'm taking West Virginia to cover the, uh, the 20 and a half um, point spread there. Early in the season, that wouldn't shock me. I mean, even when West Virginia has gone four and eight, five and seven under Neil Brown, a lot of the games are close anyways. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they should have beat Pitt last year in that uh, one game. Uh, here's here's one that uh, you guys should definitely play as well. Uh, Bama minus seven and a half first quarter line against Middle Tennessee State. So take Bama to cover the first quarter by more than seven and a half. That is a home run, guys. That that truly is a lock, but I'm going to throw out West Virginia as my true. West Virginia, I like it, Cole, because I really want to believe that West Virginia can actually win that game because Penn State is – one of those teams I have a standing beef with just because they annoy me so much. They just feast on the bottom of the Big Ten every year and then get clocked by Ohio State and or Michigan. I think you're going to get pissed off this year because of that. If if the freak list of Bruce Feldman is any, is any uh, like, you know, Penn might be with the Big Ten. Yeah. I know. I've seen paid people putting them in the playoff. Like, I, I get it. They think this is the year that they jump up. Whatever. We'll see, DY. We'll see. I'm going to stick true to my roots and true to my beats basically these days here, conference realignment, right? Who has more to prove and more motivation than Oregon State this year? Oregon State opens up at San Jose State. They are 16 and a half point favorites. Uh, this is a really good team, first of all, and they probably would have enough motivation already from just being overshadowed by everything else going on in the Pac-12. I mean, Bo Nix has billboards up in like Times Square for Oregon, uh, Michael Penix is another huge Heisman contender, and Washington is getting a ton of run. We know about USC, and they've already played and soaked up some of the spotlight. Zachariah Branch, is that the kid's name? It was out there looking awesome. Like, I mean, they have enough motivation within their own conference. Then they have the motivation of we're getting left behind in the college football world. I think they're going to be ready to go out and just club somebody and be as impressive as possible. So I, I like Oregon State to uh, to cover that number against San Jose State. I think that's smart. Last time we saw Oregon State, they clubbed Florida in the bowl game, if I remember correctly. So I think that's a pretty solid pick. What? Just curiosity, what do you guys think of the Nebraska-Minnesota game? Somebody calling an airstrike? <laughs> well, the, Hus- uh, the Huskers are plus seven and a half, and I'll be honest, I would lean their way. Bill Connolly as Minnesota by 12. Um, hate P.J. Fleck hate Nebraska, so hate that game. But don't watch. 
I'll watch if uh, DirecTV can get my Fox channel back. Uh, you know, here, shout out DirecTV, get it together. So, the, the streaming is available. Uh, okay. Florida and Utah is also an interesting Thursday game. Uh, I wonder about the Utes this year if Kim Rising's not. I, I, I like John's Oregon State pick. I just wish John would have uh, went back to the well on Colorado TCU one more time and see if we could get that one right like he did in the opener last year. I I, I did consider it. I considered just going TCU, uh, TCU to cover that thing, but I, I just – I don't know, man. D- the Dion experiment is so. Uh, I'm just that one to me is so wild. I just don't even want to touch it because I don't know. That's like you know coming up to like some wild animal, and I'm like looking at it like I don't. What is that thing? Is that like a? I don't know what that is. I'm just gonna stay away. Like I, we'll 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 let it sort itself out a little bit. My last comment, I promise. But I just a question, and maybe you guys can answer this for me. This year, and maybe this is silly because I know Kansas State has to play a game in Tulane here in the near future, but why is Texas Tech playing at Wyoming, and why is Iowa State playing at Ohio? Well, it plays at a MAC level, so they might as well play a MAC road game. Well, they have a MAC-level coach in Matt Campbell, so he's fitting in well there. And I'll just tell you guys, I said this months ago, Ohio is going to beat Iowa State. Ohio is better than Iowa State this year. All right, so mark that down. What's that, week three? Lock of the week, lock it up right now. We're announcing Ohio as my week three or week two. Whenever the hell they play, that's the lock. Uh, for those that know, uh, obviously, Cole's love for Mac. And I, I instituted a new nickname for Cole. I've been calling him Cole Mac Beck. So, yeah, Cole Mac Beck. <laughs> Cole Mac Beck. It's you know, good. that is a another good nickname. I was once coined Fan Beck on the K-State beat, uh, you know, because and now I can be Mac back. I mean, we can do a lot of things with this last name of mine, apparently, that I never realized. It's like a play off the play, right, Macbeth? Now we have Mac Beck. Yeah. All right. Hey, I might uh, I might create a second Twitter. I might create a second Twitter account, uh, Cole Mac back, and I'll put all my Mac tweets out there so I don't annoy our K-State listeners and followers uh, with that. So love it. Yeah. All right. I'm going to take K-State to win this thing 48 to 17. Uh, I think Sebo will score some points. I'm probably, I feel like I might be even a little bit too optimistic thinking that they will hold Sebo under 20. Uh, again, it would not be cause for panic for me if Sebo does it uh, over that, but I'm, I'll, I'll take K-State 48-7. K-State wants to score 50. I think they get it. I'm, I'll say 52-20. Told you earlier, Kelly Ford had K-State as a 36-point favorite in this game. I'm going to take K-State right on that number, actually. I'll take them 56-20. to 20. Uh, I think the offense puts up electric numbers and uh, a lot of explosive plays in this game and, and a couple quick scores. There you have it. First preview pod is in the books. Shout out to our friends at Home Field Apparel, homefieldapparel.com, 3Mod23 to get 15% off your first order. Get your Ben Holiday bottle and Bond bourbon. Get your 360 vodka from our friends at Holiday Distillery to our great K-State folks who support the pod. Listen to everything else coming down the channel this week. Uh, your feeds are going to be much more busy with K-State content throughout the year. And subscribe to the Patreon if you have not yet. Patreon.com slash 3Mod if you want access to Brody's prediction on the game. If you want access to our Discord, which is coming this week, to be able to chat with us on the reg, you can get that. Cole has an interview with Kelly Ford up there. There's a depth chart reaction pod uh, from this week up there. So a ton of stuff. It's just five bucks a month. Patreon.com slash 3Maw to do that. That's going to do it for us for Nick Springer behind the scenes. Derek Young and Cole Manbeck. I am John Kurtz. Enjoy the start of the college football season on Saturday, and we will talk to you with all the reaction next week. 
Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.